This podcast is part of the Michigan Sports and Entertainment Podcast Network. Go to michigansportsandentertainment.com for more great podcasts. And now, on with the show. Hey everyone, welcome to... We're watching here! We're watching here! Love that. Uh, this is Opinionated Movie Talk with Chris and Perry. My name is Chris Williams. With me is the Elwood to my Jake, Perry Seibert. Hi everybody! How you doing, Perry? I'm great! How you doing, Chris? I'm great! Uh, it's warming up here, and today we're talking about baseball movies, which should be a lot of fun. Um, but before we do that, uh, what have you been watching? You see anything good? Uh, I finished watching The Prisoner. Oh, did you? Okay. We, I know we okay. talked about this a few episodes back. Uh, yes, I watched the last episode of The Prisoner, and am truly... Uh, I'm, I'm stunned. I've never watched a show this old that feels like they could just shoot it okay. again right now. Like, it is so aesthetically tied to its time. It feels very mod. Mm-hmm. It feels very British late 60s. But that's just sort of visually and aurally, A-U-R-A-L-L-Y. Uh... But the scripts, I don't, I think you could leave them untouched. Really? And shoot them right now. And it would play like a, just a, a prestige peak TV HBO okay. project. That's what it feels like. They perfected in 68 the concept of single episodes that work within an overarching framework that feels like it's ongoing. <laughs> like they managed to merge this in a way that I can't recall another series in the 60s Doing even a British series, I don't think this is uh, uh, unique to that. Even series today have a problem with that. So Absolutely, maybe Netflix should watch and take some notes. And then, I, having you know, never gotten into this universe before, I was doing research mm-hmm. and found out the hilarious fact that there is no agreed running order for the, okay, for the really? seventeen that episodes. That there is the original British running order, uh-huh. which was affected by how quickly the episodes were produced. So there was the American order. Uh, the American running order, which was the order in which they were first broadcast over here, which more lined up with the uh, order in which they were produced. But then there is another order that's from what's the uh, what's called, I think it's the, uh, oh, I'm going to screw up the name. It's like the uh, Six for One group, which is the like official prisoner society, like the prisoner fan club. They have their own running order for the 17. There's another running order that uh, the, the, uh, the, I think Sci- or A&E maybe had it at one point, and they ran it in a particular order. No. And then, 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 then to blow everything up, Patrick McGowan, who was the star uh-huh. and exec producer and director of the final two episodes, writer-director of the final two episodes of the series, said, yeah, we, they, we only wanted to do like 10, and they made us order, they wanted us to do 22, and we had some scheduling problems, so we only did 17, but there's really only seven of them you need to watch, and this wow. is the order. Now, even more fabulous is that in all of those, they're all different, except for the fact that everybody agrees on what the first one and the last two are. So as long as you start there and end and the last there, two, the rest is all... you can almost watch them in any order, wow. which is so antithetical to my understanding of storytelling. <laughs> you know, the only closest thing I can think of is, um, I know C.S. Lewis, The Chronicles of Narnia was written a certain way, where everyone starts with uh, Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, but there's actually... You know, discrepancies about the order you read them in. Oh, cool. I did, I did not know that. Magician's Nephew is technically the first one, uh, chrono- chronologically, but even Suess Lewis has said, nah, just start with Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. <laughs> and, uh, I will have to add that. Now, didn't A&E, did they do a remake of that recently? I think the, 10 years ago. Okay. About, I thought, yes, there was a, 
there was a, a another attempt at it, and I, uh, I swear you could do it again. It, it is it touches on stuff that is seems always probably topical. Okay, like it's, <laughs> the concept of you know the individual uh, versus society is never going to go away, right. and so that's at the core of it. But I, that even implies that it's saying something about it, and I don't think it is. I think it's doing that great thing that some television series do, where it's, no, this is just ideas we're going to play with. We don't really have yeah. a point of view here. We're just going to talk about this in this fun way for a little bit. You said that was Amazon Prime, right? It is still on Prime. I don't okay. know how long it'll have, be there, but have to... it's, it is 17 episodes, and it is, uh, there are some really terrible ones late. Okay. <laughs> like before you Most get to those last that, two. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, I would. But those, those last ones don't count because, uh. Those ones in the middle, yeah, those, yeah. the, uh, 14 and 15 are pretty rough. Okay, 16, okay. apparently one of the episodes is left, is, was a leftover script from Secret Agent, which was the series Patrick McGowan did before uh-huh. The Prisoner. So it was a script that had been commissioned for Secret Agent that they never filmed, Gosh. that they just, retooled is even too strong a word. Like, wow. they just sort of made it fit in this universe and filmed it because wow. they so needed scripts. I would definitely check that out. It's crazy. It's an, interesting, it's an interesting universe. I'm very happy I finally caught up with it. Cool. Cool. How um, about you? What have you been watching, Chris? I literally, just about an hour ago, got out of um, Us. Oh! Peele's new movie. No spoilers. No spoilers. I will. Um, I, I will say, I mean, I was a huge fan of Get Out. I think Get Out was one of those movies that... Is pretty perfect. I think every time I watch it, it gets better. Um, this kind of proves it wasn't a fluke. He's okay. I, 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 there was a point about an hour in where I just smiled and thought, "I love living in a world where he's making movies. <laughs> it, it's good. Um, it's not quite get out. It, it's a little more ambitious, and I think loses some of the focus. But it's scary. It's funny, and it's it's definitely a movie that sent me home." Pulling up every article I could find to kind of <laughs> pat, pick apart the ending and things like that. Uh, oh, cool. It's definitely worth a look. Lupita Nyong'o is so good in it. Oh, excellent. So, so it's good. It's a lot scarier than Get Out, I thought. Um, good. And yeah, definitely worth a look. Um, but moving on, today we're talking baseball, and that's because... We're talking baseball. I so was going to start it with that uh, with that song. <laughs> um, I think by the time this releases, it's going to be... When's opening day? April, uh, well, they've already, te- by the, when we record this, which is late, but not the end of March, folks, mm-hmm. uh, they've already played the first official baseball games of the season. They played the, uh, the, uh, the Mariners and the A's played two games in Japan. Okay. That were official, that started the season. Okay, opening day for Akamarika Park, though? Uh, I think the Tigers start on the road this year, so I'm not sure when the first okay. home game is. Okay, but I think I soon. looked it up. I think it is the week after this post. So it's coming Sounds really right. soon. Um, and I thought it'd be fun to talk baseball movies, especially because I know you're a baseball fan, right? I am. I, I, I know a lot of baseball people, so okay. I don't like to, I, I don't like to brag. I am not, it is not the center of my life. I don't watch every day. I know people who are fully committed to this mm-hmm. life, uh, and are exceedingly knowledgeable. Okay. Uh, so I like baseball. I, I was a big baseball fan when I was a kid. Mm-hmm. I kind of grew away from it, and I've learned that the older I get, the more and more baseball I tend to watch. So okay. I've been watching more and more over the last five, six, seven years especially. Okay. Than I did when I was in my 20s. And 30s. See, and I kind of come from an opposite perspective. Uh, I grew up, I played a little bit of Little League growing up. Okay. And I love going to a ball game. Like, I love the trappings of the park and everything. No better live sport. But unless we're in the World Series, I don't really watch. And it's the same with any sport. I am such a fair weather fan. <laughs> like, unless everyone around me is suddenly excited and I feel left out, 
I don't really watch sports just because I don't have... I don't think I have the patience to keep up <laughs> over a season or or even a game. I get really fidgety. I reach for my phone. Um, but I, I love the nostalgia of baseball. I love all the iconography of it. Um, there's definitely a tie to my dad who loved playing baseball, still loves playing baseball. He just doesn't play it. But uh, so I thought, you know, and I love baseball movies. Um, I love sports movies, even though I don't love sports, which... My wife found it, finds very confusing. No, this makes total sense. You've said it just now. You really don't have the patience. So a good mm-hmm. sports movie boils all these yeah, seconds of sports two hours. down to a solid two hours, yep. Chris. That's what you're looking for. Yep. yep. <laughs> it's, so, it's an effective use of time. So I thought it'd be fun to talk baseball movies um, because I feel like maybe other than boxing, no other sport m- lends itself to as many good movies. Yeah, I would say that's true. Uh, not even – you can just say as many I don't even need you say good. Mm-hmm. I, I just think that baseball and boxing are, they're, and they're they're good. They're obvious. I think there are obvious reasons for that, right? Mm-hmm. Let's face it; they are the easiest to choreograph oh, yeah. for a camera. Yeah, you, you've got you can. There might be you know ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen guys on a baseball field, but you can really just show one of them, <laughs> and you're fine. Well, and you don't have to be fast paced, running after a ball right. up and down a court, fill a stadium with you know thousand people. Yeah. Um, yeah, and, and I feel like it just lends itself more to personal drama, too. Totally. While they're out there. Um, so, yeah, I, I thought it'd be fun uh talk about our favorite baseball movies. And uh why, why don't you start? I think we did compare lists. We don't have the same ones, so... We don't. So, are we, are we going to do this? Because uh, I have, a, I, have a, I definitely have an order here. So, I'm going to go with the one... Uh, so, I have a 1 and a 1A. I'm going to start both those. Two I'm going to start with what we would call third. Okay. And I got, honestly, this is about a 20-way tie. I could pick okay. any number of films for this spot. But I'm going to highlight something that people might not uh have seen that's readily available to them. Okay. A documentary. All right. That is on Netflix. At least it was, I believe so. It was made by Netflix, so I gotta believe it's still okay. there. Called The Battered Bastards of Baseball. That was on my list to <laughs> check out before this episode, and I did not do it. It is a riotously entertaining movie. It is, okay. it is the kind of movie I would say, even if you don't like baseball, this is such a, this is, this is a story so full of colorful characters that you should watch this and you will okay. enjoy it. Uh, for those that don't know, and I bet people listening to this podcast probably many do, the great Kurt Russell, mm-hmm. his, uh, was a minor league baseball player. And he was a minor league baseball player because he was very talented at it and because his father owned a minor league baseball team. <laughs> Bing Russell. Okay. Owned a, owned a baseball team. And that is what the Battered Bastards of Baseball oh, is really? about. It's okay. about the team Bing Russell owned. And, uh, to say too much is to really do the film a disservice because, uh, they were, they were just a crazy crew of dudes and they had a lot of fun and Bing Russell knew how to put on a show. So, <laughs> So he put an entertaining product on the field that people came out and watched. Uh, so entertaining that in his own way, he became a threat to <laughs> the major leagues and, uh, they, they went out to try to stop him. <laughs> and I'm, I'm being very, very loose here. I don't want to give away a lot of information because yeah. it's a fascinating story. Okay. That is the bare bones on which they can hang everything else. And everything else is the array of crazy dudes who came through and played for them at some point. This is a fun movie. This is just a joy to watch. The title is very, very, very on point. Okay. <laughs> the title is funny. And the movie is funny. Okay. And it's so, it is truly just a joy. It is, it is the kind of movie that, so I have a, a movie, uh, I, I, again, one of the films that tied for this list for me was the, uh, the Richard Linklater 
college baseball movie, Everybody Wants Some. Oh, but you bumped it off for the Richard Linkler baseball movie, uh, Bad News Bears. Is it? <laughs> no, 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 I did not. That was not tied for the list. But everybody, I, uh, one of my dear friends saw Everybody Wants Some. He loves Linkletter. Mm-hmm. And I adored Everybody Wants Some. I think it's, I think it's, it's a great fantastic movie. late Linkletter. And he looked at me and he said, I hated that movie, Perry, because it reminded me why I hated hanging around jocks. And I was like, I get that. I totally understand that. I don't have that issue, yep. but that's fine. I yep. get that. This is the movie that even makes it fun to hang around yeah. jocks. Like, it is, it is just a blast. It is, it is a pleasure to watch from beginning to end. It's a great story that you don't know. And it's, and it's full of people that are really, really fun. And there's a great, there's another great film connection that I don't want to wreck for you, but they, uh, the Bat Boy for the team for a year or two is someone who you definitely know and whose okay. films you really like. Okay, I'm I'm gonna watch this. It's on my Netflix queue and time just got away from me. But uh and I'm glad you brought up Everybody Wants Some because I didn't even think about that. Oh yeah. And I do love that movie. It's that, really that solid. It's a great movie. Um mine is not it, it's kind of a movie that I'm almost embarrassed to admit because as a critic, I feel like I shouldn't like this movie, but I rewatched it with my son recently and I'm like, I really enjoy The Sandlot. Um, from 1993. Uh, and there's. You're killing me, Smalls. You're I, killing me, Smalls. I will 100% own up to <laughs> there is probably a lot of nostalgia playing this role because I, I saw this as a teenager and I saw it with my dad. And this is a movie about kids growing up playing Sandlot baseball in the 50s or 60s. My dad grew up playing Sandlot baseball in the 50s or 60s and would tell me stories about how he would get up at 8 in the morning, go play baseball all day, come home at 8 o'clock at night and his socks would be filled with blood because (laughs) he had played baseball all day. And so I feel like kind of this movie is a window into his life that, you know, I kind of get to see what his childhood was like. Um... But I also, I just think it's a very entertaining, sweet movie. It doesn't lean into that whole thing I hate about every kid's sports movie where post-Bad News Bears, they all have to be underdogs who suck at the sport and could not care less about it (laughs) until their a-hole coach tells them, care about this, and they start caring. Uh, this This is just kids getting together, playing baseball, because they like it, and they're okay, and they might not make it on a team, but they get together and play, and then they have little adventures. Um, and I love that. It's that childlike enthusiasm. I hated organized sports as a kid. Um, I loved to go out with my friends and shoot hoops or, you know, go to the ballpark and play, just goof around. When I was on a team, I hated it. I stressed out. I was the kid in right field going, do not come to me. Like, just, just pray, don't come to me. And I feel like this just, it's innocent and it's fun. And I don't really feel like it's a kid's movie so much as a movie about what it feels like being a kid, getting up and doing that. And it's not quite as good as something like A Christmas Story, but I feel that's the tone, is it's looking back on being a kid. The kids are really well cast. They're a lot of fun. Um, yeah, I, I like this movie a lot. It, it's a little charmer. I cannot say the same for the sequels, which I did stumble across, <laughs> and are wretched. Um, one of which is, I believe it's just The Sandlot with girls also playing, which is totally fine. It's just a bad movie. The third one involves time travel. Um, sure. And, you know, sure. why not? But uh, I do like The Sandlot quite a bit. It's, it's a <laughs> lot of fun, and I'm glad my son likes it. So. <laughs> Solid choice. I, could, I, I, I don't share the love the world has for that movie. I don't dislike it. I just think it's, okay, I've seen it. I don't need to see it again. Well, you better get it's, into liking it because they are remaking it as a TV series, and I don't know so how to avoid. 
I don't so know easy for you how to the hell there are eight episodes worth of plot. <laughs> each each kid gets an episode. Come on, this is easy. Gosh, that's the Arrested Development. Lost day. style. Well, no, I'm thinking like, you know, there's an ongoing storyline, and each oh, episode okay. we're going to see the home life for these kids. I would do that. That would be interesting. I would see that movie. That's not going to be the Sandlot. But that's it. I would like to see that series. But you mentioned the home life. Um, I did forget, too. Um, Dennis Leary plays the kid's stepfather yes. in that. And if you ever want to convey that having the stepdad is terrifying, just have him be played by Dennis Leary, <laughs> who, who actually is Playing very nice in the role, but still, he's terrifying. (laughs) This is a total tangent, but since we're in this universe of sports movies, I feel the need to talk about this. The movie uh, Draft Day, the football movie with Kevin Costner, Costner, where... uh, I, you mentioned this. You mentioned Dennis Leary. Dennis Leary plays a fo- plays the football coach in that movie. Yes, he does. He is thoroughly believable as the, as a pro, <laughs> as a professional football coach. I just need to point this out that he is really good in that movie, especially up against uh, 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 Jennifer Garner, who is I, I, Jennifer Garner for me. I finally figured out my problem with Jennifer Garner because I think she's a good mm-hmm. actress. Mm-hmm. I truly think she's a talented. Like when I see her in a movie, I believe that she's a yeah. real human being who's having a genuine emotional interaction mm-hmm. with other people. And it took Dallas Buyers Club for it to click for me. What's wrong for me with her? I don't believe anything else about her. Like in that movie, I totally believe she's the most empathetic person that she is having intense conversations with this guy and mm-hmm. really trying to help him. And I don't believe for a second that she's a doctor. No. <laughs> No, no, I, and that's, and in draft day, she's supposed to be the, uh, she's the, uh, salary cap expert for the team. Yeah. And I don't believe it. No, for a she, she can play everything but professional. <laughs> it's not even professional. I don't know what it is. I don't know why I have this hang up with her. It's not, I'm, I'm blaming myself. I don't think it's her, mm-hmm. but I find that to be, I don't know whether Alias just ruined her and she realized how to do just the bare minimum to be believable with something and then chalked it away. Or what? But oh, I'm done. That's why my favorite, my favorite role of her is still is still in Juno. She's outstanding oh, she's in Juno. But that's who, because she's just got to be yeah. an emotional, reactive yep. being, and she's great at it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I also really like her in. Have you seen um, the invention of lying? She Gervais. is good in that. She has about five she minutes. Is good in that. That. No, she's the romantic. Yeah, in that movie. she's good. In that. Um, she's she's good in that. But yeah, she's I, same way. I like her. She evaporates from my mind as soon as the movie's <laughs> over. Um, but I like her. Uh, so your second movie. Sorry. Uh, my second movie. Uh, I was going to save it for first, but since you brought it up, we're going to do this now. I'm going to defend the Bad News Bears. <laughs> oh, the original, right? Oh, absolutely. Go ahead and defend that. Oh, not the Link Ladder. No, no. Oh, oh, no, no. No, the original. Mm-hmm. Michael Ritchie's Bad News Bears, which is, uh, in case you haven't seen it in a very long time, one of the greatest films about this country ever made. It is a film about America. This film came out in 1976 mm-hmm. for a reason. There's a reason Michael Ritchie wanted to make this movie. And if you haven't seen it in forever, you will be shocked because it could not be made with this script today. No! <laughs> it is It is full of remarkable vulgarities mm-hmm. and the worst racial insults imaginable. Uh, and it still plays. And it plays spectacularly because it's about a group of misfits mm-hmm. who who learn to sort of come together for a goal and not in some Pollyannish, you know, uh, uh, rocky sports movie inspirational way, but just because that's the job and this is what we're supposed to do and it's worth doing. Yeah. <laughs> and that includes the coach, <laughs> who's a total scuzzbag, played to perfection by Walter Matthau. <laughs> yeah, I, I, you know, 
absolutely defend this movie because my remark was not so much gotcha post you know anti bad news bears which is funny and great and cannot be remade. Also, they tried. Not a kids movie. No, absolutely not. No, I, I briefly thought about. Oh, my son's gonna be playing T ball. I should show Bad News Bears. He's gonna think that's not T ball. No, and, and then I thought about like, no, no, no. He does not need to. Uh, he's he's a few years away from that one. But no, a great movie. I, I do love the Bad News Bears. Um, I kind of hate what it wrought. Where uh, <laughs> because of Bad News Bears, we got you know Mighty Ducks and things like that, which follow the same template. <laughs> Well, no, they were following, they, so this is the problem. I'm not going to blame Bad News Bears for this. I'm going to blame Rocky 2 for this. Okay. That's really the problem. Because even Rocky has, you know, the original Rocky is a, is a, is a middle ending. He mm-hmm. doesn't win. No, he doesn't. He just wants to go the distance. And the Bad News Bears is much the same way. They don't know they want to win till it's really down to mm-hmm. it. And then they all find out how much they really care. And they don't. I don't mind spoiling this, people. <laughs> uh, because uh, it doesn't matter. Because that's not what it's about. It's not about winning. It's about how this group of misfits come together, mm-hmm. led by an alcoholic <laughs> who is estranged from his daughter, yeah. who's now pitching for the team. It is a movie about the characters, and it's great. It ends with them <laughs> with him pouring, giving them all oh. beer. How great is that? <laughs> My favorite thing that that just shows how good that movie is, and how you know it, it just doesn't give an f. Is that when they remade it, he had to give them O'Doul's yeah. at the end of the movie. Yeah. And, and really, I, I don't know how you... Like, you have the people who did Bad Santa, one of the most offensive movies I've seen. <laughs> and funny. Yeah. Funny, funny movie. But they they go with this material and they can't touch it. No! It, and it's... Yeah, I think we've talked about it before, um, years ago... It's probably the one bad Linklater movie. It is the only one that is, from the start, misguided. Mm-hmm. Because The Bad News Bears is an irreverent movie. It is about... it is it, That's what it is. It is an irreverent movie. And you cannot make... Even forgetting whatever you're going to do to make a faithful remake of that, why would you make a reverent remake of irreverence? Mm-hmm. That defeats the purpose. And I can't believe Linklater didn't see that. It's got to be the one time he was offered gigantic money from a studio. And I get it. It was coming off of School of Rock and off mm-hmm. of Bad Santa. You can see why they would say, oh, do this. And he thought, I'll get real. I'll get kids who can play baseball and it'll look great. At, just like I found kids who could play music for School of Rock. And it'll go and it just... Doesn't. Even on its own, it's not good. It's not, it's not not good because it's not the original. It's not good on its own. Uh, but the original is an absolute masterwork and I, I think is terribly underrated. It is a great American. Even satire isn't the right word for it because it is truthfully about it by the end. It's Mm -hmm. not making fun of this. It is about this and it's about it's about America. There's a reason it ends with a shot of the American flag waving over the baseball field. <laughs> Michael Ritchie knew what he was doing. I'm going to have to check that one out. It's been a long time since I've seen it. They used to be on HBO all the time. <laughs> uh, when I, and that's probably how I first saw it was caught it on HBO when I was a teen. But I don't think I've seen it anywhere recently. Um, even when you see it on Netflix, it's the Linklater one, which is just not, not a smart move. Keep that um, DVD. And, uh, if you really want to trip, if you know the movie well, folks, and you want, you want to fun, fall down a fun rabbit hole, go look up the uh, opening credits of the short-lived Bad News Bears sitcom, which existed oh, in the God. mid-70s. Those are all on YouTube. High recommend for those of you who, who are familiar with this universe. Oh, and yeah, sorry, I know I'll offend my baseball loving fans out there. You do not need to bother with either of the sequels. <laughs> I <laughs> You don't that. need to go to Japan or break training, okay? okay? 
You don't. I don't care that they went and played in the Astrodome. You don't. These are lesser, lesser movies. Um, so if you want to go to Japan, you could always just uh, watch Mr. Baseball. That's true, which is not a bad movie. Not as bad. I, you know, I think I did an episode of another podcast a few years ago where we did a similar talk, baseball movies, and one of my friends had me watch Mr. Baseball, and I was dreading it. Yeah, and it's, by the end of it, I was like, oh my God, it's not enjoyable. terrible. I, I feel that's the same way I feel about uh, Mr. 3000. Okay. The Bernie Mac movie, which yeah. I think is, is a very funny movie about celebrity. I haven't seen that's that. That's what one. it is. It's not great. It's nothing you have to race out and see, don't get me mm-hmm. wrong. But it was such a pleasant surprise at how, how, how solidly entertaining it is. Yeah, that, that sounds like my experience with Mr. Bates. Yeah. Um, which is not my second movie. Uh, my, my second movie is one I actually just watched in preparation for this podcast. Uh, it is the 1988 John Sayles movie, uh, Eight Men oh, Out. Oh, Eight Men Out! So and, good! Uh, it is actually, it's on Amazon Prime right now, so oh. you, can, you can watch it. Um, I was a little worried about taking this one on because I know it's based on a real life story, and the feedback I'd always heard was, well, people who are really into baseball are gonna like this movie, and if you're not really into baseball, you're not gonna really dig this movie, which is not true at all. No. Um, this is a movie about the uh, 1919 yes. uh, Chicago White Sox scandal. Known as the Black Sox. Yes. And uh, when they uh, threw the World Series. Supposedly. Um, well, according to the movie. But, uh, <laughs> Fair. But The movie takes a stand, yes. It's it's filled with... I mean, the cast in this is just unbelievable. Oh, yeah. I mean, you got young John Cusack, young Charlie Sheen, uh, young but not really always looking young Michael Rooker. Um John David Strathairn, John Mahoney, Dee Dee Sweeney, yeah, and it's just Michael Learned. <laughs> it, it really just keeps going. Christopher Lloyd, um, yeah. I, I mean, it, it just keeps going. This a wonderful cast, but what I loved is it's this movie that could easily have been a very cynical movie about just how horrible people are and look how greedy baseball players are, yeah. and it walks this tightrope of. Being a very earnest movie that in some places just feels very old fashioned. Um, and yet you see how these young men are kind of torn between this childlike love for the game and this innocence, but then there's this grown up need, hey, we should make money from this and we should be able to pay our bills. So they're, they're going to respond to these gamblers who no one has their best interests at heart. No. And just how that all culminates in something very sad. Um, but it's, it's often a very funny movie. David Strathairn is, he's one of my favorite guys whenever he shows up in anything. And I love him in this as the pitcher who's kind of the most conflicted. Uh, I think Cusack's really great in that. Yes. Um, John Mahoney, I, I think we're going to have an episode coming out where I'm probably going to be talking about John Mahoney more, but he is just someone I love whenever he showed up in anything. Yes. Um, I, I just love even the tone of it. There's, there's not, it's a PG movie. There's a lot of, oh golly and, Gee whiz dialogue, which I kind of love because it balances that innocence with kind of the darkness of what's really happening. Um, and it just, it lends the movie an earnestness without ever feeling bitter or mean spirited. And I, I think it works. I think it's fascinating. I know Ebert, I looked up his review of it. He did yeah. not like it. No. And, uh, the things he didn't like about it, that it was, Kind of all over the map. It had too many subplots. It was too elliptical in the dialogue. Those are things I liked about it. Yes. Um, it, it's a very well done movie. It immerses you in this world. It doesn't over explain things. Um, yeah, I loved it. I, I really liked it. This was the first John Sales film I saw in a theater. Okay. Uh, I, I, this came out when I was on a, a, I was on a, it was during the summer. 
I was on a, I was with my parents and my brother. We were in Toronto for a week. And I, I saw it playing in an ad in the paper. I was like, let's go see this. Cause I mm-hmm. knew it was not going to come anywhere near Cairo, Michigan. <laughs> yeah. I wasn't even sure that was going to make Saginaw. So I was like, I, I don't know. Let, I'd like to go see this. And so see in the Canadian theater. <laughs> Near the later days of summer, uh, there were not too many people in the theater, <laughs> regardless. Uh, but it's a film I have, I have, I have very fond memories mm-hmm. of, uh, and think it's a great movie. I haven't seen it probably in ten years, but it's one I, I, I think very fondly. I had it on my list of those okay. twenty films that could have tied for the third spot. So I'm, I'm really happy that you bring it up. Yeah, I, I really liked great. it. Um, oh, I also want to bring up the cinematography in it is gorgeous. gorgeous. It's just got this kind of sepia tone to it that I just I. I love it. I love like old 1920s baseball movies. That's just, that's just pure Americana to me. It, and it's great. I like the film because it's the, I believe if I remember the order correctly, it's the film sales made after Madelon, which was sort of his artistic sort of mm-hmm. breakthrough. And those two films taken together are a fabulous double feature that shows you okay. everything sales can do and how important history is. And I don't mean that in a sense of, how important American history and him teaching you something is. What I mean is, for all of his movies and throughout, I can't think of an example that isn't. His films are all about, you know, they are, he's a novelist at heart. He is, mm. there is a full world that these characters have inhabited and they have a past that affects what they are doing. And you learn all about them, which yeah. is why, which, you know, leads us to Lone Star a few years after this, which is, for my money, his absolute masterwork and a, a film worthy of a Pulitzer Prize. If only they gave those for screenwriting and they should, Pulitzer Committee. No, movies aren't written. You know that. <laughs> that one is. Some of them are. Some of them are. What do you got for number three? Uh, my favorite baseball movie ever. Okay, tied with the Bad News Bears. Maybe, maybe just a hair ahead of it. Uh, is another film that I think should have won a Pulitzer Prize. For screenwriting, and that is Ron Shelton's Bull Durham. Okay. If the Bad News Bears is about America, Bull Durham is about life. That film is about life and how it should be lived. Uh, it is the funniest, sexiest, smartest, truest, uh, most poetic, most uh, earthy <laughs> uh, explanation of how people think they should live their life. <laughs> and to put it within the framework of of baseball, of making baseball your life. Mm-hmm. That doesn't mean playing baseball. That doesn't necessarily mean being an announcer in baseball. That might mean being the clown on the team. And I don't mean the guy who plays him is funny. I mean the clown on the team. Uh, it, it might just make you someone who wants to follow every second of your favorite team and know all of the players and know everything you need to know about them and understand and respect the history of the game. And on top of that, have I mentioned, Chris, it's funny. It's such a funny movie. Still to this day, I have seen this film. This is probably one of the ten films I've seen the most in my life. Really? Okay. I'm willing to bet. There was a period where I watched it regularly throughout high school. It came out in 88, I want to say. I think you're right. So yeah. I'm right. I mean, I was 15. I got it. I saw it and loved it. I watched the heck out of my Duke VHS copy of it. I had it on Laserdisc. I have it on DVD. <laughs> I have both the original DVD release and the Criterion. I really love this movie. Uh, And it never fails to utterly amaze me again each and every time I see it. Uh, If you've, it was fun. A few years ago, a decade or so, I read uh, Jim Bouton's book, Ball Four, which was often considered one of the great nonfiction baseball books ever written. Bouton didn't have, uh, Bouton didn't care. He was writing the truth. And I was stunned how much Ron Shelton ripped that book off for Mulder. (laughs) 
All kinds of things that are in that book are directly in that movie, which just goes to tell me that I was right all along. This is how it really is. Okay. Granted, overlaid with a wonderful literate poetry to it and comedy, but it's just a film about life. Uh, and it contains arguably the single funniest scene I've ever seen in any movie just on the page. Uh, you will finally find out what they're talking about when there's a conference on the mound. When you see all the players gathered together from the infield and talk to the pitcher, haven't you always wondered what they're talking about? Bull Durham will tell you exactly what they're talking about. Okay. Bull Durham, I saw years ago, and I think I was too young for it to click. Okay. And it's been on my list of movies to revisit, and I wanted to do it for this podcast. And it's on Amazon Prime, so I have no excuse. Do it. That I had to watch Batman for a column I was watching. Um, <laughs> you made... The wrong show. You know what? It was either way, I was getting Robert Wool. So, <laughs> so, uh, but I do remember that opening monologue by Susan Sarandon, the Church uh, of Baseball. I, I do like that a lot. Um, so it's it's due for a revisit for me because I feel like it's something I if I revisit it again with adult eyes, it's going to click a little more. It's it's a stunningly comfortable. It's the best. Um, scanning through my head to make sure I'm going to be right about this. It is both the best performance of Kevin Costner's career and the best film he's ever been in. Okay. <laughs> By far. And if you have the original DVD, it contains one of the creepiest moments in any commentary track you'll ever hear in which Kevin Costner and Tim Robbins are are talking through the movie together. Mm-hmm. They're in the same place. It's not like they edited yeah, the yeah. them together. And and there's a moment and I'm not going to quote it exactly right cuz I haven't I haven't revisited it although I probably should if I'm going to tell this story and there's a point where uh where it's during the during the there's an extended scene of amorous lovemaking between mm-hmm. Kevin Costner and Susan Sarandon near the end of the movie and you can hear Costner at one point go ha he's basically saying look what I'm doing to your wife it's and it's remarkably not right like it's not it doesn't play well. Like, you could maybe get away with that if you're the right guy in the right yeah, mood. I don't think Tim found it amusing. I don't know whether Tim was, didn't, was genuinely offended or he was just like, you really just did that? Like, really? You're gonna go there with this? Oh, alright, whatever. It's a very odd moment. It's, oh, gosh. uh, but it's one of those, uh, <laughs> It's one of my five favorite moments in any any commentary track on any DVD in the history of the medium. Oh, gosh. That sounds funny. It is. Really funny. It really is. Um, so my third, I'm kind of going obvious pick here, a little more metaphysical, a little more spiritual, um, but it's kind of the obvious pick for a baseball movie. I'm talking, of course, Angels in the Outfield. Of course. Uh, no. <laughs> I had to. Uh, you know, the, the Tony Danza classic. Uh, no, <laughs> oh, no. the remake. Interesting. <laughs> yeah. Interesting. Yeah, you know, you, you know, do love Chris Lloyd, don't you? And uh, Joseph Gordon-Levitt, I mean, just when he <laughs> flaps his arms. Um <laughs> No, my, mine is the very obvious, also Kevin Costner pick, Field of Dreams, which is a movie I just, I love. I know it's got a reputation for being treacle. I don't think it's treacle when it means to be, uh, when it means to be tugging at your heart. Um, I, I love Field of Dreams. There's just, I feel like magical realism is so hard to get right in movies. And there, there are so many movies that do it so badly. And I feel like this one just hits it. Out of the park, no pun intended. Um, oh, I, I think you intended it. I, I, I actually totally did because I thought it, I, I, but, I, but I will claim it. Um, I, I love this. I love this movie's sincerity. I love sincere, earnest Kevin Costner for some reason. Um, yeah, I, I love that this movie, there's no big stake. He is supposed to just, he, he, here's a voice on the build a ballpark. 
And he does it. And it's not going to change the world or anything. But it's just this little thing he's supposed to do. And it, you know, in doing that, it uses baseball as a way to tie together fathers and sons, to bring redemption to people. I Watching it after now having seen uh, Eight Men Out is really, it kind of ups <laughs> my appreciation because it's kind of the redemption for that team in many ways. Um, I, I, just, I really like this movie. I love James Earl Jones in it. Uh, he has a line I repeat over and over. Peace, love, dope. Um, Peace, love, dope! I, I do love him in this. I, I just, I love how sweet this movie is. That it's just a sincere, good-hearted movie. Um, it's so sweet. Ray Liotta's a nice guy. Yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> it makes Ray Liotta likable. Almost it looks, cuddly. It makes Iowa look beautiful. <laughs> and that's hard. Um, yeah, I, I just... I. <laughs> I had no idea when I saw this movie a few years ago, even. It had been out for a long time. I got, like, a gift set with five sports movies in there. Field of Dreams was there. I had never seen it. Oh! So I popped it. I didn't really oh, know. Wow. I knew it. I knew there was something about ghosts, and it made men cry. And I didn't know, like, anything else about it. And I watched it. I'm just like, I think I love this movie. <laughs> it, it's just it's just a... I, I don't know. I don't even know how to explain it. I just love the good feeling it gives me. And... It just gets into that feeling I have about baseball, about it being tied into relationships with fathers. And um, just, you know, it's such an American thing. And, yeah, it's really hard for me to talk about because I, I feel like every ding people might have about it is right. That it is manipulative and it is kind of, you know, well, it is going for the heartstrings. But that just works on me. It plays. Uh, it's a yeah. film I've always liked. I have mm-hmm. no, I have no ill will towards Field Dreams at all. I, I think it's a mm-hmm. very well done movie. Uh, because it, like you said, it gets the tone right. Right yeah. from the start. That is the tone of the movie. It is not like, it, it doesn't, it doesn't surprise you with how emotional it is. It's telling you up top, this is a fairy tale. Yeah. And we're, that's exactly the world we're living in. And so. And they don't over explain it. Today you oh, would have. Yeah, no, no. You would have today, Ray Kinsella would be, Building this field because it was his destiny, or somehow, or he was always <laughs> fated to be a great ball player. And no, it, it's just he does it, and yeah, they doesn't need to explain it more than that. And yeah, just a, just a really sweet movie. Um, so that was my pick. It, it just edged out a League of Their Own, which is another one I really like. League of Their Own is fine. A League of Their Own is very entertaining. I haven't seen it in long enough to know. How much I like it because of baseball and how much I like it just because I like Tom Hanks a lot. A League of Their Own has a two-word problem that is uh, just consistent for me, and that is Lori Petty. Yes. Yeah, I would, I would say that. She's a genuinely terrible actress. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and she's not good here. Uh, no. And she really drags down the movie. Honestly, she's the obvious weak link in, well, this, the, in this chain. The thing is, all the things I like about A League of Their Own, too. She's so bad, Madonna is not the worst actress <laughs> in that movie. That's how bad an actress Lori Petty is. <laughs> The thing I like about League of Their Own are all the things that aren't on the baseball field. Oh, so, yeah. Tom Hanks taking a long pee. John Lovitz just showing up whenever. Those are things <laughs> Lovitz stealing about. the first third of the movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then not showing up at all nope. for the rest of it. Um, I, I do like the movie, but I don't think I like it because it's a baseball movie. <laughs> I like it a lot. What was on your list otherwise? Uh, there were two I definitely wanted to mention. Mm-hmm. Uh, one is, if you want the history... Uh, I actually watched all 10 innings of it, all 20 plus hours of Ken Burns baseball. Oh, okay. Is, is really good. Okay. It is, it is very much worth saying, uh, if for no other reason than just as a, as a, as someone who has, uh, has such warm feelings towards documentaries as you mm-hmm. do, 
I love watching that 10th inning, that extra episode that was done years uh-huh. after they wrapped up, because he goes back and interviews a bunch of the same people again, all right. and they're all 10 years older. Like, it's fun to watch Dolores Kearns Goodwin, <laughs> 10, 15 years older than she was when she first did those interviews, because with, okay. with, she's throughout the beginning of it. You will learn so much great history. Uh, and, it, you know, it's Ken Burns, which I, I'm not saying dismissively. I'm saying you'll know exactly what it is. Yeah, it's yeah. Not, he's, he's got his style. Um I learned, uh, the best thing I learned, uh, a fact that I was floored by, because it's one of those things that teaches you the breadth of the history. This might not mean as much to you, but if you, if you know baseball or mm. appreciate the baseball as much as, as much as many do, that when Hank Aaron surpassed Babe Ruth for the most home runs in the history of the major leagues, he was the last remaining major league player who had played in the Negro Leagues. Oh wow! Yeah, but like that's that that was chilling to me. I genuinely like my 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 spine tingled. I don't use that euphemistically. That was wow. <laughs> that was just a wow. That's how long <laughs> yeah. the reach of his career and the game was. That we were not that far removed mm-hmm. yeah, <laughs> when that yeah. record could finally fall. Uh, it's fabulous. Okay. See that. And uh, a, another film that I really love that just is a, 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 a film that is so 70s that it, I don't know how well it would play to a truly modern audience. But if you have a taste uh, uh, for the work of a young Robert De Niro, there's a great movie from 1971 called Bang the Drum Slowly. Okay. With Michael Moriarty. Ex of Lawn, famous from Law & Order. Yeah, yeah. Uh, as a, a picture. Uh, he, Moriarty's the picture. And De Niro plays his... Um, he's slow. He might be a little, I, the old-fashioned word would be retarded. He's developmentally disabled, seemingly in some capacity. He's dim-witted, whatever adjective you would use in 1971 to describe somebody like that. It's a fabulous early De Niro performance. And, uh, the young, very, very, uh, quiet De Niro. It's not, it's not a showy, twitchy performance. It's not... It so is it's very not, focused and very not the good. fan, Robert. It is not the fan. If we're going to bring up insane <laughs> baseball movies, a movie, hey, so bad, a movie so bad, Chris, <laughs> that the first of all, first of all, there's a great game you can play. All there's a two word description I can give. They'll do it this way. Do you remember Robert De Niro's day job in that movie? Do you know what he did? Oh, I do not. No. He I'm was not. a knife salesman. He's the <laughs> only person in the history of cinema whose job was knife salesman. You can, <laughs> someone in the know, you just have to look at them and say, knife salesman, the fan. I need two words to describe that film to anybody. On top of that, remember, the, this is a baseball film where the end of the movie happens during a baseball game that is being played in a thunderstorm. Why? Because rain looks cool and yeah. Ridley Scott is both British and doesn't understand oh, baseball. Was that really Scott or Tony Scott? Oh, Tony, who cares? It's the Scott brother. They're basically the same. <laughs> when it comes to baseball, they're basically the same. Yes, it was Tony Scott, not Ridley. I don't mean to besmirch Ridley. Ridley actually had a couple good films on his filmography. Uh, yes, The Fan is a ridiculous movie. But Bang the Drum Slowly, hard to find, but uh, a really okay. interesting movie that not a lot of people have seen. I will have to add that to the list. Yeah. The ever-growing list. Um, the one I considered... Only for nostalgia, because I think it might have been one of the first movies I remember renting from a video store and watching over and over when I was a kid. You cannot find it anywhere now. It was the first, um, it was the first Wonderful World of Disney movie, uh, produced for television, then it was put out on video. It was a movie called Tiger Town. And it was made in 1983, shot in Detroit. Oh, wow. And 
it was um, this little boy goes to Tiger Games with his dad. His dad dies, but the kid can somehow predict when the team's going to win. Or no, his presence <laughs> at the game helps the team win, helps their like best player, who's played by Roy Scheider, um, play really good, I guess. I, I can tell you, I have not seen this movie since I was eight, so it's probably not good, but it's an interesting footnote in that it was the first Wonderful World of Disney movie, and it's a Detroit Tigers movie filmed at the ballpark. Um, which is kind of cool when you think about it. Um, I don't recommend tracking it down because you're not going to find it. Um, maybe when Disney does their streaming service and opens the vault, it'll, it'll be <laughs> no, there. It's still but, uh, Yeah, this is not a movie anyone's clamoring for. I would not be surprised to revisit it and find it's not good. But I watched that movie over and over when I was a kid. Uh, you made me think of another a, a good baseball movie that was uh, also shot mm-hmm. at Tiger Stadium, which is uh, Billy Crystal 61. Oh, yeah. Which you made for HBO. Yeah. With uh, Thomas Jane and Barry Pepper okay. as Mickey Mantle and uh, Roger Maris about the chase for Babe Ruth's single-season home run record in 1961. It's, uh, yeah, that was shot after the Tigers had left, and so the stadium was still there, and okay. Crystal yeah, realized, wow, it looks like an old-fashioned baseball stadium, yeah. so we can make this look like Yankee Stadium. Uh, that's a good movie. That's worth seeing. Okay. I, I mean, it's a solid, made-for-HBO. Billy Crystal, obviously, you know, he's, if you know anything of Crystal's career, he loves baseball, mm-hmm. and that love surely comes through. Uh, it's good. It's good. I, I wanted to check out The Natural again, too, because I hadn't seen that since I was a child. Uh, and I don't remember anything about it, and I've heard had people tell me it's a slog. But uh, I do remember at the end when he hits the... <laughs> he hits it into the light, and the lights are, like, shattering. Yes. As a kid, I was, Yeah, and the yes. As a kid, I thought that was the greatest moment I had ever seen. Yes, Randy Newman's most Hollywood score. Yeah. I thought we were going to get through the whole episode with having to talk about this movie. Uh, <laughs> you don't even have to. Like, it might not be. I don't. I don't even dislike the natural. Okay. I think it's fine. I think it is uh, everything you want to levy against Field of Dreams. You should levy against yeah. the natural. I, that's what I've been told. It is a beautiful looking movie. Caleb Deschanel shot mm-hmm. it uh, for Barry Levinson. Uh, it is not the book. The book is a much better experience. The book is much truer to what is what is the intention of the entire story. I don't mean true to real life. I just mean. This is not the story that the movie tells. Is not the book's not the story, book. okay. and I mean by changing just a couple of things, they really alter, making a lot of the things that is faithful from the book pointless. It's one of those adaptations. You're like, oh, you've really not made this book, okay? Uh, and you've made something much less interesting than the book. Uh, that said, it's a it's a watchable movie. It's not okay. terrible by any means, but it is it is it is. Uh, if you were in a kind mood, you would call it stately, Chris. Okay. It's, it's deliberate. <laughs> it's, uh, it's not even that. Okay. It's stately. It's, okay. it's slow in a good way. Okay. It's not even deliberate because it's way too obvious what it's doing. It's not asking you to really think about anything. It's just, it's just not, it's, it's, it's a patient movie, Chris. Okay. okay. <laughs> uh, and then the last thing I'll give a plug to, it's not a movie, but I'm going to cheat and throw it in there because it's maybe one of my favorite things. Put to TV about baseball. Homer at the bat. The, the, the Simpsons Homer <laughs> at the bat. Just, just love that. Um, but that's, that kind of brings it to the end. All I'm going to say is that, again, I hate using the superlative, but I'm pretty sure it's true. One of the five times I have laughed hardest at anything on any television show when I first saw it, when it originally aired, was Mr. Burns Bunting. I'm still... I can, I will go. I will laugh until I cry if I see that. It is so perfectly done. <laughs> Doesn't he fall over? 
He goes Put through a clip. huge expo. Oh god, are we actually gonna do this? No, I'm not. No, I don't okay. Go find the clip. It, it's I don't want to It's a visual gag. It okay. doesn't work in a podcast, but it is so brilliantly done. Simpsons World has it. Check yes, it out. Check it out. So that brings us to the end. Perry, where can people find you? You can find me uh, at Perry Loves Film on Twitter. You can find me on Facebook. You can hear me right here with Chris Williams. You can find me every Friday morning. You can hear me at 8.35-ish, 40-ish on WLBY in Ann Arbor on the Lucy and Lance show talking about movies. You can probably find me in the third row at your closest multiplex. That's where you're going to find me, Chris. How about you? Uh, you're gonna find me at Mere Christianity, uh, but you can also follow us at, uh, WatchingCast on Twitter. Uh, follow us on Facebook as well. Everything's in the show notes. If you like what you're hearing and you wanna help us out, uh, we have a Patreon. I'm gonna link to that as well. And, yeah, listen to us every other week. And you can find my writing twice a week at Michigan Sports and Entertainment. So, we will be back really soon with a bonus episode and a regular episode in two weeks. So, until then, we'll see ya. Bye!